Welcome to the Talk Drops podcast. I'm your co-host, Glenn Bolton. I thought you were Dustin Kaufman. No, you're Dustin Kaufman. I'm Glenn Bolton. Hey, I'm Dustin Kaufman, everybody. Uh, that's Glenn Bolton here in the Hello. Studio. Hello. Uh, so if you're listening to this, thank you for listening to Talk Drops. This is the very first episode uh, of Talk Drops here, the extension of Cough Drops, which if you're listening to this, you've probably heard. Uh, and our guest on the show this week was the very funny comedian Mike Baldwin. He's in the studio with us here. Hi. Hey, Mike. How are you? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's having fun. <laughs> so thanks for coming in. This is a man. This is awesome studio, guys. Yeah, like, I know. This is legit, dude. This is uh they they color coordinated all the CDs. Yeah, you guys are color coordinated. Uh, we, you guys can't both see us, but they both showed up in green. green. Dustin's got his Ninja Turtle shirt on and I have a green hoodie on. Hoodie. Yeah, and a blue bandana around your eyes for some reason. I don't know what that's about, but I don't I don't remember that I have that. Do I? Yeah. Why? I don't know. Oh, that was a You're Ninja Turtles today. reference. I'm yeah. stupid. <laughs> I'm sorry, you guys. It's we, okay, we, Mike. We both do have very bright green on, but that's okay. It's colorful in the studio yeah. today. It's St. Patrick's month. Month. <laughs> All right, so this is a podcast. Uh, I'd like to thank you guys for listening, if anybody's listening, because I asked you to. Um, yeah. Uh, hi to my girlfriend, and uh, hi to my kids. You don't have kids. <laughs> Say hi to my kid. Hi. Hi, Oliver. <laughs> hey little meatball man ah, he's loving it it's his new favorite show <laughs> go watch curious george um man i'm uh i'm excited today out oh, and you know when again thanks for listening to talk drops you can find us at trendingtopicsnetwork.com and a big shout out for trending topics for putting us in this studio the guys over at the spanish announce table check them out whoop, whoop. while you're there um this is just incredible. This couldn't be cooler. This is, it is official. I mean, this is a legit, we're in a radio studio. Dude, this chair has armrests on it. It's got amazing back support. Yeah. I'm wearing a headset microphone. It's amazing. He's like I Captain feel like Baldwin. I'm, I feel like I'm piloting a helicopter. <laughs> Coming in hot. Poorly, because I'm just looking at my phone while I'm flying. <laughs> like, shouldn't you be paying attention? I'm like, the plane pretty much flies itself, lady. It's right. a helicopter. Ah, semantics. Uh, I'm excited today. I was excited when I woke up today, not just because this is the first episode of Talk Drops, but because I heard that there's going to be six new episodes of The X-Files. Yeah. Which I was so happy about. I loved that show. I mean, we, have you did you watch every episode? I watched I watched it all growing up like when it was on TV, mm -hmm. like we'd all just hang out and continue watching after uh the Simpsons and stuff. Yeah. You know, like my my teenage girlfriend at the time worked at Godfather's Pizza. Nice. So, so oh, I, man, you got fat. So she, oh, yeah. So she would always be working during the Simpsons and stuff, but she would be off work in time to bring us pizza for the X-Files. Very nice. It was it was fun. Yeah, yeah I've, I've never seen a single episode of X Files, believe it or not, but I am a huge fan of pizza. Yeah. So. And then I, good. I did the marathon even recently. Marathon pizza. Like the Netflix ah. X Files marathon. Isn't there a place called Marathon Pizza? Is that a thing? I don't know. I, sure there's got to be. There's got to be. Yeah, oh, yeah. I bet it's good. The That's delivery drivers they don't drive; they actually just run. That's not a terrible idea. The most in right? shape delivery your, people in town. Your pizza, um, 
I threw up on the pizza box. I'm sorry. It smells like sweat and it's cold. I'm not good at running. I want my money back. You're carrying it like a like you would carry your books in class, like up under your <laughs> arm. Everything's just all down. On... Anyway, okay, so the marathon. You watch the X Files in a the marathon. Netflix, like all nine seasons. Yeah. The, the seventh season's one of the worst seasons of television in history. Really? But overall, I mean, I really, you know, I liked all the alien stuff like that. Yeah. Wasn't Vince Gilligan involved in that? That's cool. He's the the you know Breaking Bad guy, which is a great. I'm and also, Better Call Saul. I'm loving Better Call Saul. I'm not all caught up, and so that's one thing you don't have to worry about with this podcast. No spoilers. We're not going to spoil anything, but at least not tonight. Right. Yeah. But, I don't watch TV really at all unless people are punching each other in the face. Like that's the only thing I watch on TV. I didn't watch TV as much. Like there was a time where I watched no TV, like I, ever, ever, ever. But I think just because I'm home a little more with the kid and stuff, I've I mean, I've caught up on a few shows. I'm yeah, I'm what like, like Supernatural okay. and uh, Better Call Saul. I'm just loving. What do you watch that on? Uh, Better Call Saul. Yeah, uh, t- the TV. You just I have cable. oh, you have cable. Ah, yeah, okay. I, I gotta have cable now. It's, yeah, because so you have a kid. Because I have a kid and a lady who watches cable. Yeah, my mom's <laughs> very cable. They say that I I love it. Though. People are dropping off of cable quicker than. I read an interesting thing about like how long it took certain services to get 30 billion users and like the telephone was first then it took like 60 years from the invention of the telephone until the time that it had 30 billion people using it. TV was like half that, like 15 years uh or maybe radio was before that something and then they talked about Facebook and Facebook took like uh, a year and a half and then what's the something Wait, 30 billion uh, people using it? Or no, no, I'm sorry, 30 million. Did I, I say like, billion? Oh, dude, Facebook is popular as fuck. There's, is, how many billions of people are there? People are fucking Facebook uh, on other planets. Maybe seven. How crazy would it be if there were 30 hey, billion people? Hey, on hey producer, Google how many people are on. Oh, wait, we don't have a producer. I'm uh, sorry. Damn it. In true cough drops fashion, <laughs> we don't have a producer. We don't. 7.125 billion as of 2013. Wow. So still, I mean, I'm, what was that number again? Two point one seven five billion people. Or wait, seven point one two five. Man, numbers is tough. Is that on the? Pl- how many? Is that? That's. I literally that's went people? to Google and typed in how many and then and the letter P and then it came up and said seven point one two five billion people. But how many people? What? Just how many people in general are are alive today? Like on the planet? Yes. All right. And and of those seven point one two five billion, six point seven two five billion are not having a good day. <laughs> it's probably true. That's a huge number. Like I wonder how I wonder how they count that because because the world is so big. It is very big. It's so big. Like how do they keep that? How do they keep that intact? I'm sure it's keep very count? generalized. Oh, uh, yeah, it has to be. But the the census, I mean, they have censuses, sensei. Sensei? All over, not necessarily all over the world, but I would say it's within a billion of being yeah. accurate one way or another. I mean, people die or born and die every day, so, you know. I would, yeah. Yeah. I that, mean. That would probably be accurate. And then you got to also account for the people that just say to hell with it and don't bother with the whole census thing either. So I know, but they they do cross 
things, you know. So they'll go to like one house that that your mom lives at, and they're like, "So how old are you? And how many kids do you have?" And your mom's like, "I have three kids." And then they go to your house, and they're like, uh, "You know, is your mom still alive? Do you have any brothers or sisters?" And you're like, "No," and no, and but then they know that you're lying because your mom told them all about you already. So they're just like, "Okay," and then they go and cross check everything, and they're like, "All right, well, this guy has brothers and sisters and whatever." Like. I don't know. Ah. It's all science, dude. It's all it's all cool until that guy weirdly comes up to you like, "Tell me every person in your family's name right. who lives next door to you." It's like, I don't know. I've probably like I've been living in the same place for about a year now and I've probably said hi to like 3 people that live in my building. But do you recognize them if you see them and you're like, Meh. Just I don't like know, little, the dude that lives next door to me, sometimes he looks different every time I see him. Really? Yeah. Okay. It might be a different guy. I don't know. Yeah, it very well could be. I, I think... try to see as few neighbors as possible, and, yeah. I, and I try to keep that the same. Yeah. See, I don't know. It's weird. Like you, it, It's the whole you want what you don't have thing. So it's like if I don't talk to my neighbors, I'm just like, what a bunch of fucking rude asses, you know? But if I am friendly with my neighbors, I'm just like, holy God, like give me five minutes after I get home before you're over here in my fucking garage. Hey, uh, hey, uh, hey, Mike. Uh, do you uh, do you happen to have uh, some extra ketchup? It's not. I don't even know if it's my neighbors. I think it's just the people in, in relation to the location of my house. Because I live on the corner of a pretty main street, yeah. and like my front door faces this the main street. So I here's Dustin waking up at like noon sometimes, going out in like gym shorts and a robe to smoke a cigarette with my bedhead yeah and i'm all i can think is every single car driving by is like this fucking guy <laughs> or more just like this neighborhood oh. just like oh god is this what <laughs> what kind of people live around here and there's yeah so i try to park my car in front of the door so i can then just turn my back and lean against the car and avoid most of that. yeah well um, but i mean if you're if you're wearing a robe and smoking a cigarette then at noon then still your hair is more offensive than either of those two things. <laughs> so I don't think it matters which way you're facing. People are still going to drive by and go, eek. Damn, I don't know, son. honey. Damn, I son. I don't know if we should live here. The, so me just living in the neighborhood brings down your property value. Or, uh, you know, maybe it could work the other way because people are like, wow, they really will just let anybody live here, won't they? <laughs> I'm just kidding. We I pay rent sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, dude, I pay rent often enough that the guy hasn't kicked me out legally. Yeah, see, my th- my whole thing is like, I, a lot of the reason why I don't interact with the people I live around is because my schedule is so weird that I'm not around during the normal times people are around, and when I am around, I'm usually leaving for cough drops. So it's like I'm walking out of my house with like. You know, a, a suit in my hand and like a wig and mustache and a bag or something like that. So They're people are looking like, at me. Like, that dude's weird. Crazy. Yeah, that dude's weird. He left his house dressed as Luigi. What the <laughs> hell is that about? The kids loved it. How was that show? Was that you? That was a a roast of Mario. Yeah, we did a Comedy Central like Friars Club style roast of Mario, and we all dressed up as different video game characters. Nice. And I was I was Luigi. And were you uh, a little bitter? Yeah, I was bitter because, you know, like, the story was <laughs> Luigi's been black the whole time, but the programmers refused to put him in the game as a black person. And then, like, every, like we had the ball from Pong, 
is like the crazy old guy. We had Link. So what were some of your jokes? Uh, basically, like. <laughs> basically, he's like, I don't want to do them now. I mean, yeah. but there's no. I mean, it's not even like you have to be in character. It's just like we all get it. it's Luigi. Well, I didn't even talk like Luigi. I just talked like me. All right. Like a basically a drunk, bitter version of me was my character. So I'd say stuff like, eh, you know. I never got why you made your little brother play as me. I was the taller, faster, jumped higher, sidekick. Mario's the most average main character in any video game he's ever been in. Like, just stuff like that. Mm. You know. Mm. All right. Stuff like so that. You did that in front it of went, people? It went pretty yeah. well. I didn't write the lines. You liked that? You, had, you, had, you didn't write the lines? No. Man, I think I think Matt and Matt it's kind wrote of a the cop lines. out, if you ask me. Because wow. <laughs> if we'd have, if we'd have been complimenting you, then you wouldn't have brought that. I up. would have still said <laughs> I didn't write the lines because I didn't write the lines. You didn't write any of that whole show. Wow. Nope. That's impressive. Nope. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Well, that's uh, cool. We'll be right back after this short commercial break. Word. Wait, are there actual commercials? Um, I'll put one in right now. The host of the internet's worst late night talk show, Mr. Dustin Kaufman. Are you tired of the same old late night talk shows on actual networks with high budgets and real celebrities? I'm going to be great right now. <laughs> with an actual talk show host? You sound like you're at the end of a long hallway. Cough Drops with Dustin Kaufman is a weekly late night sketch comedy show. President of the United States of America, Barack Obama. And the self-proclaimed internet's worst late night talk show. Your last YouTube video only got about 52 views, uh, but yet somehow managed to rack up 103 dislikes. And how does that even <laughs> Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Cough Drops Live. No, it turns out my 72 virgins came from a Cub Scout bus crash. <laughs> Cough Drops with Dustin Kaufman. That's K-A-U-F Drops. Or if you're a member of law enforcement, that's King Adam Union Frank Drops. Follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and BlackJewishChristianSingles.com. Cough Drops with Dustin Kaufman. Welcome back to Talk Drops. We're Talk Drops, everybody. Sorry talking. We're uh, talking on Talk Drops. Um, here with this week's guest from the show, comedian Mike Baldwin. So, Mike, tell us, uh, talk to us a little bit uh, about getting started. You know, this is our first show of Talk Drops. So, tell us about your, uh, do you remember your first show in stand-up comedy? I do. Um, well, the first time I ever did comedy was in the sixth grade talent show at Santa Fe Trail Elementary <laughs> School. Uh, so I was, what, 11 or 12, I guess, at the time. And uh, Richard Jenny had a comedy special on HBO. And I went through and just hacked word for word Richard Jenny's comedy <laughs> special, minus the cuss words, and went up against the, uh, uh, up in front of uh, maybe 100 kids and probably 100 parents all crammed into this little gymnasium and man i did great it was fun you know and it wasn't my material but i just knew that i could perform stand-up like that somebody could have taken those jokes especially how old were you i was probably 12 i think i mean for a 12 year old to go out and do like a stand-up routine that you have to be able to have that timing and at least that delivery yeah 
So yeah, I don't. I mean, I, I that's it's weird because I used to I would do Gallagher stuff when I was younger than that. You know, like just to my parents and stuff. And I remember walking in. My parents were in the living room watching Roseanne or something one night, and and I walked in and I was like, "How do you make a pickled bread into dildo?" And my dad was like, "No, <laughs> like that's not. You don't joke about that." And I was just like, "I don't even know what it means. I'm just saying what Gallagher said. I don't get it." And so yeah, oh, it was, that was kind of weird. But so but, who, who is the your most quoted comedian? Uh, like the, at that age, you were still Gallagher. I was and very Jenny. into Gallagher when I was younger. Yeah, I remember I, I would walk around and I would quote, um, I would quote Carlin a lot. Yeah, and I would quote because I found uh, one of my dad's VHS tapes. Uh, I remember I just was found it that tape. No, it wasn't porn. It uh, had the it had the yellow Kodak sticker on it because that was the brand. Yeah, and it, in black magic marker it wrote "Dice Man Cometh," and I was like, Ah, um, so you're right. an Andrew Dice Clay so guy. At 11 years old, I mean, I'm like, Ah, I've heard these nursery rhymes fairly recently, <laughs> right? And they were you're like, like, This version is funnier. So like, you know, when I was 14, all my friends like, they, I would just, you know. Do I, Andrew I Dice do, Clay stuff? Do the nursery rhymes and stuff like that. Yeah. I used to, I remember in high school, I would print jokes. Like, I would literally go to, like, joke.com or whatever the few websites that they had back then, and I would just print pages of jokes of just awful, you know, like, like uh, very, like, sexist, like, just disgusting, like, abortion-type stuff. But just pages and pages, and I would just go to school and be like, hey, guys, like, What's the best thing about putting a baby in a blender? Or just whatever. Oh I yeah, I don't remember. You know. But I also really liked uh, the younger. You age. don't waste your grandma's ice cream. <laughs> whatever. Something. I don't know. Anyway, go ahead. I was gonna say the other two I really liked <laughs> at a younger age that I remember was uh, Howie Mandel as a comic. Yeah. As a kid, he was so animated and fun. Oh yeah. Uh, he was great. And He'd then, blow up a rubber glove on his head. He would. <laughs> He'd go. <laughs> yeah. You guys can't see it, but Dustin is impersonating putting a rubber glove over his head <laughs> as vis-a-vis Howie Mandel style. Did I use that right? Go ahead. Uh, I'm not even sure, dude. Who else? Jeff Foxworthy? Yes. I liked him a lot. Yes. My dad liked him. You know, It's funny, like, the things that my that made my dad laugh, like, make me laugh a little bit now. Like, my dad would always, uh, it always made me happy when Home Alone was on. Because my dad would always laugh at, like, the robbers getting hurt, you know? Like, that slapstick kind of uh, Three Stooges kind of humor. And so it's funny when it's well done. I like Jackie Chan like, for that same reason. You oh, know? Like, for the slapstick. Okay. Yeah, he does really good. Uh, and I saw a cool interview about how he would prefer to just do, like, Japanese-directed movies. Or is he Japanese? or He's Chinese. Chinese. It's all the He's, same. I mean, I was listening uh I was, I guess, I was listening to somebody talk about his book recently uh, on a different podcast, and it was just a, the. I want to really want to read it. He, I guess, lived an amazing life, like incredible, like really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is this? The fucking Jackie Chan podcast? Come on! <laughs> I don't want to get, but read the book. Look I, into it. I might do that. I'm not, we don't want to get into it too much on the show. We there's don't. there's a joke in there somewhere about the audiobook and him reading it, you know, <laughs> right? and just how terrible it would be. I am Jackie Chan. I don't know, man. Like who watching Rush Hour three? Like his English got really, really good, actually. Yeah. Who were who were some of the people you would impersonate at the younger age? Uh, ooh, this got me into a lot of trouble. When I was like maybe four, my mom bought a Robin Harris cassette tape, mm. and I'd really never heard like a stand-up comedy album before. 
we're riding down the street and he's talking about just all this crazy shit and he's test two baby and i tried to make a collect call to compton or something no it said i tried to make a collect call from like to hell from compton and it was local or some shit like that and i would just repeat stuff like that and also uh jeff foxworthy my uncle brought some jeff foxworthy tapes uh when he came to town one week and uh this was back when Jeff Foxworthy was like kind of edgy, or at least edgy compared to how he is now. And I remember repeating one of the lines that he said uh, at dinner, and I was like five or six years old. And my dad like found the tape that my uncle left, and he like threw it away, like destroyed it, and like threw it away. Wow. Yeah. But That's... then, but then I don't know. Like he he also had like this box set of like Richard Pryor CDs. When I was like a teenager, I'd sit with my portable like disc player and just listen to them over and over again. Did you have any records? Anybody you guys collect comedy records at all? No. Well, we had some records, but not. I remember we had Bill Cosby's comedy record. They but were I, shorter. I never really got into it. Yeah, they were thirty-five to forty-five Sometimes minutes. Even Twenty-two minutes. Were they occasionally? Yeah, maybe they just recorded their feature act that night. You know. You know, and then they just put it out. I and guess. they're like, hey, whatever. That's some, and maybe and that allowed them to put out more too, more content. Yeah, see, that's what I don't like. Like, like I can understand Louis C.K. and guys like that because you know they've got millions of people listening to all their shit all the time. So, but when it's somebody like me, I've been doing it for about fifteen years now, and I'm still doing jokes that I that I wrote in my first couple of years. But it's because I every audience is a new audience to me. These people have no idea who I am. So it feels wasteful to me to be like, well, not doing that joke anymore. You know, and I, that goes along the line as there's more comedians, definitely. There's more outlets for that comedy. Because before, when records were coming out, it's like, well, you look, what, you know, you're going to look in this direction. You're going to look left to find comedy. You're going to look right to find something else. Yeah. Right. So when you look left, it's just, this is what's there. So, and if the more you put out, they're your fan, you know, just. True. Yeah. I should write more is what you're saying. I Well, it's different. I mean. And a nice transition into talks about comedy writing. Good job, <laughs> Dustin. Just did that on accident, I think. But you do write. Uh, yeah. I mean, you you do see new crowns a lot. Uh, but I think people, especially with the internet these days, people want new. You have to, you have to produce that newer. Yeah. Yep, that's true. If you're going that outlet. That's what that's what I'm thinking about lately too is like what do I want to do? What do I want to do? Like what's my ultimate goal in this? Cuz at first it was just to make a living doing comedy. Mm -hmm. And now I'm kind of doing that, you know? So now it's like, okay, what's the next step? What do I do now? What do you see yourself doing? See, I what's I mean the next step? definitely not like real work. I could never have like a real job again, you know. It has it has to be something in this vein where I can just use my mind and my mouth to what I, even if it's just sitting in an office and being like god damn it wilson get the <laughs> shit but you know i i have to be in charge of my own stuff because if somebody else gives me too many instructions i'll just quit so what do you want to do i mean you see you say that it's time to go to the next step from stand-up what do you see that next step being for yourself well, I mean, I like I don't want to do anything other than stand up, really. I mean, I would I, I would ideally like to just travel around and just have bigger and bigger audiences and and have people that 
know who I am. But then at the same time, I like, uh, you know, like Brian Regan is a great story. I read a thing about, uh, he said the other day, he did like the, I don't remember what, we'll just say like Madison Square Garden or something. It wasn't, it was in Boston. It's it was a huge, someplace. huge venue somewhere. Uh, right. and, he, and he went and did the show. He did like two hours and it was great and standing ovation. And then after the show, he walked to Burger King. And, and no one and knew who he was. No one said a single word to him because he's just that, he's that low key and whatever, you know, like that's, I, I would like that is when people see my face on a poster to be like, oh, yeah. But if they see me in public, they're just like, that's just a guy. Right. So you as a, you, you're, I mean, you're a full-time stand-up. I mean, you're, I mean, that's what you do. You're full-time stand-up. So yeah. when you as... I also have the next three weeks off, so it's going pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so when you as a stand-up say that I want to go to the next step, a lot of times I would think a, a comic would mean to start doing more things outside of just stand up but when you say go to the next step you just mean you want to build your audiences now you want to go to the next step of bigger crowds or? yeah but i mean that's not to say that if somebody was like hey do you want your own tv show you want a sitcom or whatever or a, you know a serious dramatic role i would take any of that shit you know like it, it's as a comedian you learn to just kind of take the work that's offered to you until you get to the point that you can turn stuff down but I wouldn't, dude. I would sell. I would do a maxi pad commercial. Have you ever thought about voice acting? <laughs> I do voice acting. Oh well, then there we go. Yeah. Yeah, I do. That's another. That's a. I think that that's a that would be a fun one to do. I mean, I've done like a little bit of it, but to do like voiceover work and stuff like that, or maybe like voice and like some sort of like animated. Well, I haven't deal. done any of that. The only voice stuff I've done is just radio stuff, fake radio. Okay. Um, which I don't know how deep we want to get into that since we're at a radio station. But a lot of it's very Springer esque. It's very like Survivor. You know, there's somebody there to go. Okay, cut. Like now you're like be angrier this time. Like you're really mad at her for drinking all the water. You know, and then it's like, Sandy! Bitch, I was thirsty. Right, and then they play the clip, and they're like, man, Jenny really freaked out on Sandy for drinking all the water. And then Jenny's sitting around with her friends, and she's like, they made me do that. And then CBS calls, and they're like, we're suing you for a million dollars because you told your friends that we made you do that, which is true, but you signed the non-disclosure agreement, and so now you can never be on TV again. Damn. Uh, one thing I think... Uh, that's helped you, from my opinion, get to the level you are, um, is n not only just being funny, but also, uh, and not even just going out and doing work. But would you would you say the amount of festivals you've done have helped you progress yeah. your career a lot? Uh huh. Yeah, festivals and competitions help a lot, but only if you win them. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, no, not. No? I mean, winning them definitely helps more than yeah. even getting second place. But, but no, even going to them. I mean, you. It's just a. It's an opportunity to just hang out with comics, man, and, and that's that's who comics want to hang out with is other comics. Exactly. If you're a comic and you don't like other comics, then you're not going to be a comic very long. Because we have we're like a family, you know. And so that's what's cool about those festivals and the competitions and stuff is it's just 30 other comics. And they're like, hey, where are you from? And you get five minutes to go up and you think that you're going up to impress judges or to impress like this club owner or whatever. But you're really going up to impress these 29 other comics that you just met that are all from different cities, that all have different connections and different 
friends that have different connections, and then they're going to go back to their city and be like, dude, I met this guy. He's funny as shit. He's cool. He smoked weed with everybody. <laughs> like, he, he drank with everybody, but he didn't become that guy that was, like, too drunk and dumb and, like, offended people and whatever. Like, that's what... You know, a lot of times people will watch somebody do stand up on Comedy Central or on on Jimmy Kimmel or whatever, and they're like, "That guy's not funny." Like, there's a lot of unfunny people that you see on television, and the reason that guy got on television is probably because he's cool as shit. Like, the comedians that bring their own openers with them aren't bringing the funniest guy that's gonna tear the house down. They're bringing a dude that they want to hang out with the other 23 hours of a day while they're in a tour bus together or waiting at the airport together or whatever. Like, they just bring their friends. Comedy's all about your friends. Like, you're going to get more more exposure and more work from your friends hooking you up than you ever will from, like, sending a tape to a booker you, or, or something, you, you know? Had, you headline, what, 80 90% of the time now? Or is you about 100%? No, I mean, I still feature at the Funny Bones and Improvs and stuff because I'm a uh, – Steve Hofstetter said it best. I'm just funny. Like, I'm funny. When people come to a club, if they randomly happen to see me there, they will enjoy me. And if they hear that I'm coming back again, they'll probably come back and see me again. But nobody's reading my name on anything and being like, ooh, that guy. Like, I'm just funny. So I'm not headliner material for the A rooms yet. Uh, so coming up, uh, I mean, you still feature a lot at these bigger clubs. But before, uh, I know you had, but the smaller clubs as features and getting in, did you find that, as you mentioned, headliners bringing their own features now, does that make it a little bit harder and a little – to get out as a feature? Because um, with, with there being so many more comics and there's so many more comics keep filling those spots before. Yeah, I mean, it's it sucks a little bit, but I see, it's weird. That's like saying, uh, you know, is it harder to learn how to drive a car in 2015 than it was in 1995? Because they're different now, you know? Like, no, it's, it's easier to learn how to drive a car now because you have the cameras everywhere and your car does a lot of shit for you like comedy is different than it was when i started so i mean if i tell you how i got feature work that's not going to help now because it's just like well do you need to go buy a bunch of uh, blank dvds and then you need to take your video and then you need to mail it to no you don't do any of that shit anymore you need if you're a comic and and i mean portfolio like folders go i remember there's i would go out to showcase clubs just out on the road with to a like, physical Manila a, folder, or something with a with a promo video and yeah. a resume and a bio, right? And then they would take that shit and they would throw it directly into the trash. Because yeah, now everything <laughs> is so like electronic. Like when I was at the World Series of Comedy last year and they did the panel with the bookers and club owners and stuff, you know, like the guy from the guy that does like the triple runs and shit. He was like, "Dude, don't send us anything like any hard copies of anything. We want." links we want you know yeah. we don't want discs we don't want paper we want stuff that we can you know click the link and you know open it up in an email and stuff like that yep welcome to the future yeah but then that also what that does is that opens up comedy to so many other people and then it gets flooded in a different way with because anybody and go out and just send an email. But that's why I I think I don't remember who showing came. your face is by far the most efficient way. Yeah, well you got to be out there yeah. and hanging physically hanging out with people. Nobody likes that guy that 
That's it, it happens to me sometimes. People will be like, "Oh, you're from Kansas City. Do you know da da da?" And they'll say a name that I don't know, and I'm like, "No, I don't know." And they're like, "He says he's been doing comedy for like ten years," and I'm like, "Well." I don't know. I'm from Kansas City, and I've been doing it longer than that, and I feel like I would have seen that guy at a show somewhere. So I don't know who that guy is that says, like, I don't know what comedy he's doing to say that he's been doing it that long, but I don't know. Anyway. Is writing for festivals a, a different uh, avenue than writing for a regular show? or It is, but it shouldn't be. Does that make sense? Like, you should, if you're doing a festival or a competition, you should treat it just like any other, you should have the same attitude and mindset that you would have before any other show. Because those are the ones when you're funny. When you're not worried about how funny you're going to be, that's when you're the funniest. But what happens with a lot of those competitions and stuff is that people panic. And you start, I mean, I and I do it too, you know, I'm on stage, I can feel my the hand that's holding the microphone shaking. So I'll just like hold it with both hands. Oh yeah. And you know what I mean? Or I can feel my, if I tell a joke that doesn't get a laugh in the first 30 seconds, if it's an important gig, I just feel my energy just fall out of me. Cause I'm like, you know, in my head, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go up. I'm going to say this big laugh. Then that'll lead into this. And you go up and you say the first, this, and it's just nothing. And you're like, Oh God. <laughs> and also like a lot of the time you're doing these festivals and stuff like that. It's not like doing a feature set at a club where you have 20, 25 minutes on stage. That's true. They get like when, like when we were out in Vegas, they were like, okay, right before the show. Cause I, I'd planned out for like eight minutes. Cause that's what I thought it was like, no, you're all doing four and a half minutes. Like, dude, it's been so long since I've just gone up and done four and a half minutes. So there's that extra pressure. It's like, okay, I got to get as much funny in in this four and a half minutes as possible. When really, if you would just do the first four and a half minutes of the eight that you had planned and then maybe even stopped mid-joke, that's not a terrible thing to do in in a festival. If you're killing it for your first four minutes and then you start a joke and you're like, ah, sorry guys, that's it for me. I got to go. Then you can just hear the audience go, ah, like we wanted to know what that last thing Shit, was. If I'm killing. I'm just going to drop the mic after that. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> I'm joking. The, the reason you don't do that is because the, the comedy club owner is probably one of the judges and he paid his good right, right, Carter right. 1999 to buy that. Microphone. Totally kidding folks. Don't drop mics. Yeah. Don't drop mics and don't, uh, it does destroy them. Don't, uh, yeah. don't put dr- Things in girls' drinks. Yeah, don't do that. Don't. If you need to get laid, then they have Craigslist. And most of the time, a, the girl would just take whatever the thing is that you're <laughs> right. saying. If you just talk to her for a minute, you know. <laughs> hey, I got this pill. Like I, I, it, it'll fuck you up. It'll make you have a good time. Tonight. Oh my god, I love those. I love pills. That's great. You but are, it, all yeah. of a sudden, I give it to you for free without you knowing. And I'm a pervert. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, ladies. I'm going to call her and be like, hey, I'm bringing you flowers. And she's like, why did you tell me? I like surprises. It's like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. I didn't know. Here, drink this. Surprise. Rape. <laughs> what the fuck? All right. Um, uh, you, you pay your own way when you're in the festivals. Yes. Hotels, gas, food, everything. Yep. I mean, you pay, your, you pay your way all across the board. Yep. Uh, is that, and so that, that's a real dedication because sometimes you're out there for about three to four weeks at a time. Yeah, well, I mean, not usually. Most festivals are a week or less. The long ones are Seattle and San Francisco still. And uh, But with those, you it, 
you only have to invest in a week, really, because if you make it past the first week, then they give you make the least you can win is maybe like five hundred bucks or something, I think. Yeah. And then that gets you through the next week. So you're at least breaking even. More or less, yeah. But comedy's an investment, man. I mean, True. you you oh, yeah. have to invest. I remember complaining about that when I started. You know, like why do I got to spend hundreds of dollars to have headshots? You like fucking just like I'll. Print, I'll print, I'll draw you a picture, like whatever, you know. But then it's like, all right, no, you you have to have headshots, you have to have business cards, oh, yeah. you have to have a website, you have to. But then there's also there's no right and wrong way to do anything. Granted, most people have a website, most people are on social media. You don't have to be. I'm I, I don't know where that's going, but it's I'm, also a different world as as far as attracting audiences. You know, like you don't have to go out. And go state to state to state to attract your audience with the social media the way it is. However, it's a whole different game of entertainment. And you, yeah, well, it's like uh, what's the I forget the girl's name that uh, did the uh, the like Vietnamese nail salon girl jokes. Uh, oh, so anyway, whatever yeah. whatever her name is, she got huge. Like she didn't even re- record, like put post that video herself. She just did a show at the Ice House one night in Los Angeles and killed. And they put it up on the Ice House or somebody from there put it up on YouTube. Next week, it's got twenty million hits or whatever. And now she's booked all over the country. But then she goes to these places and, you know, has ten minutes. I mean, I, I can't. I haven't seen it. I don't know. I've I don't, just heard stories. I don't know who you're talking about. It doesn't matter who I'm talking yeah, I don't about. Know. That's but fine. it's that story. You've heard that story mm-hmm. before of of people, and that's what we need. Is at uh, David Nickerson came up with this idea, I think, or I did. That I don't old remember. Nickerson. Uh, we need a national comedian rating system, which is like the best one that we could come up with. Is like let's say you headline at a at an improv which is the improvs are the biggest clubs in the countries if you headline an improv you get 500 points okay if you feature at an improv you get 200 points if you feature at a bar show that you booked yourself you get five points okay and and different places would have different whatever and so then if you're a young comic or any comic, really, and you call a club and say, hey, I'm interested in working, then all they have to say is, how many points did you earn last year? And you can say, uh, you know, 20,000. So they either know that you headlined a good amount of good clubs or that you've been working your ass off doing shitty bar rooms over and over again. Either way, they know that you're working, right? Is that's, that a- That's an interesting concept. To, to just show up and to get a and especially with smartphones and stuff, I mean the clubs could get in on it. Hey, can you can you swipe this or okay this or whatever to get my points for the week? Right? It's not. It wouldn't be hard necessarily. You could have guys that lie. There have to be a union. Yeah, comedy would turn into like ESPN type shit eventually. Like you're watching like just for laughs or something, and it'll show up like your points on the screen. Right. You show up flexing like yeah. This week on Fox. Million. This week's on, this week on Fox. Twenty thousand points. Right. <laughs> With comedian Mike Baldwin. <laughs> but I mean that you would get. You would, you couldn't. I can't say that you would get funny all the time, but you would get experience all the time, which doesn't necessarily equal funny. So that's not a. You know, that's an interesting but, thought because sometimes and so often in comedy, I know a lot of comics feel like there's just no end. 
to like when you can move up or get that break and stuff like so if there was actually some way where like okay i've done this i've earned this i've okay now i've earned my stripes my points if you will right now i can go work to the next but that's the other thing is there's so many of us you know like there's it's to remember when we started and there were those few guys that got like mc weeks right away you know when you do an open mic night like that's your goal is to get to have the club be like, hey, come back and host for a whole week. Or even sure. come back on Friday and do a few minutes in front of a real crowd. Like, that was always a big deal. And, I mean, you'd have guys – I was doing it for more than a year or, or like, two. when you first start emceeing, like, twice a month or something, you're like, I'm on the roster. Yeah, right? <laughs> but but you would have guys that, that would get moved up to MC way faster. And then you would have guys that, that did it for three or four years and never got moved up. And some of them quit and some of them stuck with it. And anyway, my point is that, like, once you get to the MC spot, it's so much harder to move up to the next spot because everyone's hanging out in that I'm a working feature area. You know what I mean? Because you can't headline anywhere. You're you're not a name. Nobody knows who you are. So you're not going to get any headline work at real clubs. So the only option is for you to feature there. So there's guys that could headline easily, could destroy rooms, that still have to feature. And then there's guys that have that emceed six months ago that know they're ready to feature and they're trying to get in there too. And there's every level in between. I think so, the only way for a comic to take that next step sometimes is to just quit doing that first step. Yeah, you have to. And that's when a real job can't hurt. Yeah. Like, because clubs will take advantage well, I mean, let's of face it. it you're not paying your bills as an mc anyways no that's true so if you don't have a real job still then then you're making mistakes probably, already probably at your parents house yeah it's but that's cool. what i did and yeah. that's there's nothing really wrong with that if you have a support system you just need that's all you you write it as long as you can yeah but <laughs> like you just you have to comedy takes a lot of dedication and it's no different than becoming a doctor or anything else because they're shitty doctors you know what I mean? There's doctors that have gone through their 20 or, you know, 10, 15 years of college that still are kind of shitty at it. And yeah. you know that they're that other doctors talk shit about them when they're not around. Right. And they're like, dude, can you believe this guy's still getting yeah, Those are the doctors that just do it because it sounds good. Yeah. Or, and that's with anything. You know, there's comics that just do it. Like, they'll come up and do the same set for, like, years and years and years. They're just doing it just because it sounds good almost. And there's nothing wrong with that in comedy. There but, is yeah, something when wrong you're with dealing that if you're with, a doctor. Yeah, when you're dealing with people's lives in your hands, like open heart surgery, you know, like, wait till the boys hear about this. I just cut a dude's chest open. Right? Like, think, I'm so awesome. Think about how many jobs you've had in your life that you just kind of fell into, you know? Like, I, I was a trash man for a few months only because I just happened to have a buddy that worked there and was like, hey, if you need a job... Like, not nobody is a little kid going, I want to be a trash man, except maybe, you know, a weird little kid or whatever. But On the level that we're talking about, about moving to the next step, it's it's like if you keep doing open mics, you're going to keep doing open mics. If you keep him singing, you're going to keep him singing. And you're always like, and then you get to that point where you're ready and you just have to stop to move forward. So do you think there's also, like, on the world, on the other side, like the doctors, like the dental assistant Who's like, I'm so ready to not be a dental assistant anymore. Yeah. When are you going to move me up? Just like I have to do this dentist thing. <laughs> I like know I, what I'm doing. I know all the things. <laughs> I do, I, why don't I – why am I letting this guy well, we pay can't me? go out and get a degree, if you will. No, you can't. But To say that 
you're certified and ready to go feature or you're ready to go headline. See it. Yeah, that'd be crazy to go into somebody's like house and they have their like certified like headliner degree on the wall one day. <laughs> I got my headlining degree at the funny bone, yeah. Right. I got mine from the <laughs> University of Phoenix online. <laughs> oh my god. It cost me a hundred and eighty thousand dollars. <laughs> I got mine in county jail. What is, is that? <laughs> oh, he's going to be real funny. Right. Yeah. Hey, way to go, funny man. Yeah. <laughs> Laugh, motherfucker. See, yeah, I, when did you know that you were funny? Either one of you, who, whoever I wants. I still don't think I'm funny. And it <laughs> took me five years to get consistent. Yeah. I, I always believed I would be, you know, like like something. But for me, it was like I just always knew that I would get past this being, like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And have you? Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and you, so you, you think you have then, huh? <laughs> That's cool. No, I always, like, I was always a goofball, but as I got older, especially, like, in my teenage years and I started playing guitar and stuff, like, I wanted, I didn't embrace the goofiness, you know? I saw it as a bad thing. Yeah. And even, like, in my first probably year of doing stand-up, it's not something I embraced. Like, I got into stand-up not because I wanted to be a comedian. I got into stand-up because there were open mic competitions that paid the funniest guy of the night 100 bucks, and I was starving broke living in El Paso, Texas. So that's why did I did win? it. Yeah. The first one? Yeah. Nice. Good job. Yeah, and that's I just kind of kept doing it. And then after a while, I was like, whoa, I really dig just doing stand-up. Like, I just dig doing it. Yeah. And it takes, like, I remember uh, I was less than a year in, and I won the, what they call the funniest comedian in Kansas City contest. I realize now that it was the which open micer can bring the most of his friends and family to open mic night contest. And I won. I brought like <laughs> 150 people to the open mic Holy night in Westport. Crap. I got a standing ovation at, at my intro. The MC was like, your next comic, uh, Mike Baldwin. And it was, blah! I remember I just, that. I did terrible jokes. And I remember uh, the, uh, Jay Reyes. Remember him? He went up and destroyed. He killed. He did so funny that night. And the audience laughed their asses off at him. They didn't laugh at me a whole lot, but they cheered for me, you know. And yeah. I remember Ron, the manager, went up and he goes, Oh... Ladies and gentlemen, your winner is Mike Baldwin. Like he said, it was just so defeated. Everybody went crazy. I remember my dad going, you did it. You did it, son. I, I saw Jay recently, man. How's he doing? He's good. Good. He's good. Um, I remember the next Monday, the following open mic night that we had at Stanford's, we're all sitting there ahead of time, and I didn't think at the time that I didn't deserve to win. I was like, I got a fucking great response. Like I, and and Ron was giving the pre-open mic meeting and he was like, did Mike Baldwin deserve to win the other night? No, he didn't. Did he deserve to get second? No, probably not, but he brought the most people. So Mike won. And I just remember being like, oh. Oh. Like, I thought that I did really, really well. Like, so that's why Jay was mad at me. Like, I didn't understand, you know? <laughs> But it, it pushed me a little bit to be like, okay, now I have to actually get beyond just making my friends cheer, you know, just because I'm up here. I'm like, I smoke weed. And everybody's like, yeah, <laughs> fuck yeah, we sell it to you. Yeah, because that's like a turning point. You're either going to use that as like motivation or you're going to be like, oh, man, well, I've been misled into thinking that it's all about bringing people and not so much focusing on getting funnier so you're like oh man i'm telling these jokes they were killing and 
people aren't laughing anymore, so I guess I'm just going to not do this. But there's so many things about comedy. Being a comedy is like being a Boy Scout. Like, you can pick which badge you want to get next, you know? Like, there's there's so many different things that you can do. You can try improv or you can try acting. You can practice open mics. You can just practice writing. You know, you can... Do you write as much as you used to? No. No? No, and I wish I did. Do you write differently, or is it the same writing process? No, it's different now, because when I started, it was before smartphone days, you know? So I literally wrote with with a notebook and a pen, and I would sit on the toilet. I did most of my writing on the toilet, which if you listen to my first album or just old clips of me, it's mostly about my wiener and my butthole. But <laughs> but that's what you write about when you, you write about what you know, you know? So so you write about masturbation and, and pooping and just the dirtiness of a of a teenager, you know? Like I remember the first couple of things I wrote like in my notebook ever was just every kind of shoe I could think of and every kind of music genre I could think of. Yeah. And I was like, I'll just say all these together <laughs> and surely that's builds for a laugh. <laughs> but the, it's just the process of writing. Like most of my jokes came from me trying to write something else. You know what I mean? Like most of my funny jokes just come when you're halfway through the page and you're just writing, just forcing yourself to write. Even if you were writing, if you're literally writing, I'm forcing myself to write. I do not want to be writing right now. Like you're still doing that. I forced myself to fill up a page of the notebook anytime I would go into my bathroom, which is as a pothead who lived with his parents was a lot. A lot. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like pooping again. See you we in an hour. We should get him checked out, honey. I don't think this is normal. Right. But what I, about typing? Is typing? I, I could probably get more words out typing, but I know your brain's being worked differently. Yeah. Yes. And I I find myself deleting stuff more when I'm typing and going back and correcting stuff. Plus the little the squiggly line under something can totally throw off my train of thought because I'm writing something, you know, and and the Bilderberg group, and it's like, that's not spelled right. And I'm like, how do you spell Bilderberg? And so then I have to Google it, and then I'm reading. I'm watching a video about something else. Like, the, the computer is not a good... Like, I just wanted to write a joke about conspiracy theories, and now I've been watching sharks for an hour and a half. Just a feather pen or a typewriter? Something, something. A feather pen. <laughs> feather I've pen. never used one of those, like a quill and an ink <laughs> thing. Yeah. Dude, that'd be baller. This joke, we should all get those. This yeah. joke will be delightful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I find myself writing on stage a lot more. I mean, you uh, were notebooks a thing when you first started. Playing? Yes, I still have that notebook. Actually, as soon as, as that soon as she told that, me, notebook. that, that notebook, notebook, I still have that same bastard. notebook. <laughs> I still have that same notebook, and I like. And I lost it when I moved back in with my parents, and they found it and played, like, two hours worth of games of dominoes in it. So when I got uh, it back, it was, like, jokes, 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 and just a bunch of X's and O's and shit. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. We, my mom used to play a dice. She just called it dice. I think they call it Farkle or something. It's just a version of five dice, and you just keep score. Oh, yeah, I used to play Farkle. Fives are 50, ones are 100. And if oh, you, yeah. If you get, like, three of something, then you get, yeah, that's fun. But I remember I have notebooks that have comedy in it, and then the back of it is just dice scores. I I, I find uh, I write on stage a lot more than I used to, and I know Cough Drops has helped with that. Yeah. Going out and doing not only these sketches, but these improvised scenes and just that show in general, I feel even at this 
part of my career has really like elevated my performance and my that release in my brain just to go out and take a topic and to write and to create scene structure, mental scene structure. Right. And that's good. That's better than see, but that's another different way that you can do comedy because the com- the comedian part of me says, well, that doesn't give you a chance to really try stuff out over and over again to work it into your set. You're just trying something and it worked tonight and then you'll forget about it. We get one shot. Yeah, but but that's what's good about you doing a live show every week is because that opens that part of your brain that that helps you be witty on the spot as opposed to to the part of your brain that helps you write a joke that you're going to do for the next five years or whatever. Because to say, let's see how this goes or the difference of this has to work. Please make this work. Right. <laughs> and you're just like, eh, if it doesn't work, then I'm, I got ten more things that I'm going to try after that. Like, one of them is going to work. I'm going to be fine. Yeah, that's neat. That's like the – I think of Jimmy Fallon now when I – which sucks for Jay Leno and Johnny Carson or whatever. When I think Tonight Show, now I think Jimmy Fallon. But I feel like he does a good job. And, like, he was embraced by America because – of like how much he fucked up on Saturday Night Live all the time. Like people genuinely enjoyed that. Like I laughed the most when he would break. You know what I mean? It just made him real. It made him like, it made me think of how I would have to behave if I was in that situation. Because I wouldn't be able to say half of those jokes that they say without laughing at myself, you know? I don't, like I laugh too much. I feel sometimes, and that's something I've tried to work on, but it's just so much fun for me. Like, you know, like, I know I just break, like find myself usually about once an episode just uncontrollable, like right. sometimes a lot worse than others. But it is a lot of fun, and we're in the back of a bar, you know. Yeah. yeah. How like, angry is anybody and, gonna be? And some shit that happens, like <laughs> you have to, you have to respond, you have to acknowledge it. If you're trying to just get through the sketch and not acknowledge it, then you're kind of losing something there. Oh yeah. I feel like, dude, I remember one of my first guest spots in uh, Overland Park. I had this shirt that had like a it was it wasn't a V neck but it had like a very wide neck on it and I don't know why I was anyway so I go up on stage and I just stand there for a few seconds and some dude goes fag <laughs> and everybody laughed and I just pretended like he didn't say anything and just went right into my act and proceeded to eat shit <laughs> for five minutes I should have acknowledged it you for know five but, minutes you yeah. should have acknowledged it right but instead I'm just like so airplanes are weird why do they <laughs> they took my food I wasn't done with it I, I, I mean, the first uh, episode of this season Paul Shields came on and did his Kim Jong-un uh, uh, interview yeah it was amazing about the interview and the interview was going okay. Like, it was going okay. You know, it was our first one. It was going pretty well. Uh, but I just, he just got this look in his eye, and it, I just saw it, and I fell apart. And for the whole, I that's probably the most I've ever just fell apart. Uh, after you guys are done listening, go check it out. Go watch the Kim Jong-un episode. And, uh, and you were actually our second guest on the show ever. Ever? Uh, our second guest. On the second episode. All right, good. So I guess the third guest. Was that when I, I portrayed <laughs> the inventor of the uh, the super economic tree chopper the downer? The tree chopper downer. Which was uh, the seven-bladed you know, tree chopper downer. <laughs> well, you had no arms. You always come on as limbless. You have had no arms. You see, but you said earlier that I had no legs. I didn't. I never did no legs. Oh, did I say that's that just, How the hell did you get out that's on just, stage without legs? That's just disrespectful. No arms. You've had no you head. No head, yeah. The people adjustable have, ceiling fan. People have no legs. <laughs> yeah. You can make fun of people without arms because that's not really a thing. 
It is what? Of course, it's a thing. No, it's not. How would they survive? <laughs> they couldn't do anything. I mean, the headless thing, of course. Yeah. Have, have you just done? Have you just done the two limbless? Yep. All right, and then uh, we did the most interesting man in the world this week. Yeah, which that was fun. I, I portrayed the most interesting man in the world, who was in fact not interesting at, at all. all. Yeah, at, at all. A nice little twist. I probably could have sold the, <laughs> that part a little better on my part, but it was fun. Written by Scott Steen, which was yeah. really fun to do. Like something written by him, just just to you know. Yeah, Scott reminded me. He was like, "We should write again." And right when he said that, then I imagined. In my head, and I don't know if I'm remembering this from somewhere or if I thought of it, but like you're in like a high school and there's a principal and he's looking through. He's got like the wooden door with the big glass window on it, you know, and he's looking through the door and the door says principal on it. And then uh, he steps away from the door and you see that the door doesn't say anything. He's just wearing a shirt that says principal. I just think that'd be funny. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, Welcome to the writer's room, everybody. <laughs> so is it time? How long have we been doing yeah, this? Yeah, we're just about... Uh, is it an hour? It's 55. We're wrapping wow. up right now. All right. Um, what can we do for five minutes? Nothing. Uh, we'll just... Uh, you guys want to do... Watch a... Recipe? Do, is there a recipe? I mean, we can, you know... I was just going to wrap it up. Oh. I was... I mean, it doesn't take five minutes to Listen, wrap it up. a killer no, recipe for stuffed have... pork chops. All right, what's tell, your recipe? Tell us about it, yeah. Tell us your pork chops recipe, Glenn. Uh, basically, you need to get, like, a, a whole, like, pork loin. Like, it's like a log o' pork, yeah. basically. You chop it into five, and then you cut little slits in the middle of each individual pork chop. Okay. And you fill it with, um, what I like to use is the uh, Philadelphia cooking cream, the Santa Fe flavor. Uh like chopped jalapenos, maybe some other fresh vegetables if you want to throw in there, and uh, shredded cheese. Yeah. And you put those bad boys in the oven for about 30, 35 minutes. <laughs> Woo, man, that's some good eating right there. I like how you, you turned more something, something there. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Yeah, I turned more black. <laughs> there, there we go. I wonder if people are going to be able to tell the difference between me and you I, on the show. I'm pretty, <laughs> pretty sure that's not going to be a problem. I think they will. I'm Mike, I'm white, and that's Glenn. I'm Glenn, I'm black. And I'm uh, Glenn Mike. Yeah, Dustin's somewhere <laughs> in the middle. I'm like the cross between like the Dustin's white, but but you're a. Uh, 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 I'm. Is there a nice, just damn that funny? Is there a nice way to say what religion you are? What? See, we've argued about that before because you say that. The, All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. <laughs> uh, where are you going to be, Mike? I'm going to. Well, first, I wanted to mention that if you take a. Uh, a box of macaroni and cheese uh-huh. and make macaroni and cheese first, then pour in a can of peas and a drain can of tuna. Mix all that shit together. Tuna pea noodle. It's delicious. Um they, that's that's you can have that as a side. That sounds your, like a cool like name for like a like a like an author or something. Tuna pea noodle. I'll tuna pea noodle. Hey, I'll just offer this. Avocado and curry. Mix them. Yellow curry, avocado. It's a wonderful blend. All right. Oh. Put that's, some sriracha in there. Snap. Man. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely. Some feta if that comes its way, too. Mm, put a it's sriracha really in there. I seriously think you should have this be the end of the podcast every week. It's just like a- A uh, recipe? Yeah, a couple recipes. That that's all right. We could do that. People like to eat. Um, tweet at us. Hashtag talk drops. Make sure and subscribe online at Cough Drops Live. Uh, check out then the Cough Drops Live. Subscribe to our YouTube. YouTube, please, at Cough Drops Live. Share us with your friends. It's so important these days. Check out our episodes. Check out our videos. Uh, website, Cough Drop Inc. And um, thanks for watching Cough Drops. Uh, uh, thanks for listening to Talk Drops. 
thanks for being you. Uh, and thanks for being here for the very first episode Yay. of Talk Drops. Woohoo! We'll, we'll see you online and then hear you back here next week. All right. Tweet us at, uh, again, hashtag Talk Drops, right. and we'll get to your questions next week. All right. Uh, yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.